Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yes, and I am joined today by Master Gardener Teresa Rooney answering your questions, your lawn and garden questions by phone or by text. Good morning to you, Teresa. Long time no talk. Good morning, Denny. How are you today? I'm doing quite well, staying nice and cool in, inside the home. And right. I hope you are doing that as well. But this well, it's uh, inside my home, but I don't have air conditioning, so it gets a little. You warm. don't. You know, a lot of people, many people that I know, not a ton, but many, don't like air conditioning. Um, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't have it. Yeah, there are there are some folks that prefer not to, but uh, today would be a, a good day to have it for sure. Now, what, what kind be. of havoc? Uh, what kind of havoc can this hot weather? Uh, reek on our uh, plants and shrubs and trees and you, lawns, etc. You know, um, it, well, it, for, it can impact our plants, but it impacts our gardeners, too. So the most important thing is, please, gardeners, you know, hydrate, hydrate, limit your time in the heat, and watch out for, for any stressors that you're running into. But, yeah, our plants can get really, really hot. You may see them wilting during the day. That might mean they need water. Um you may want to wait till the evening um, and look, do the leaves come back up again? Like lots of hydrangeas will wilt in the heat and the sun, but then they come back up. It's just a way that the plants, they actually move their leaves downward so that they're not directly in the sun. And so they look like they're wilting, but they're not. But those containers and your, and your tomatoes and your vegetables, they probably do need some water. So make sure you're watering if necessary. Water early in the morning if you can. And when you water, you want to water the soil, not the plants, because you don't want any water sitting on the leaves. We're so hot and humid here in in most of Minnesota, and humidity just brings in things like powdery mildew and funguses and things like that. So you want to keep those leaves as dry as you can. Um, Those are really good things to think about when you're gardening. You know, you you brought up the the watering uh, thing, and I've uh, heard that for years. That early morning is better, and why is that? Why why why? Then, um, you know, it's late? really interesting. Early morning is better because. It, if you can imagine, the dew is on the grass, but then about 10 o'clock, the wind starts coming up, and we normally get a breeze that dries everything off, or the sun will dry everything off. If you water in the evening, 
there's usually not a wind going on. There's no sun to dry off the leaves. So everything just sits there and stays wet and the humidity all night long. Perfect breeding ground for, uh, uh-huh. for you know, any of those fung- funguses and things. Now, you may say, but Teresa, we get rain in the nighttime. That is true, but rain is usually accompanied by um uh, wind or else the sun comes out or it's only a one-time thing it's not something that happens every night usually so people are on a schedule they like to water at a certain time they water every day they water every other day and the rain doesn't do that the rain is intermittent usually so that that's why you want to water early in the morning if you can't water early in the morning and sometimes you know lots of us aren't morning people we get home from work and that's where we want to water or we get home after doing our chores just make sure that you're trying to keep the water off the leaves and water you know five o'clock six o'clock seven o'clock try to try to water you know as soon as you can and just keep the water off of the plants just water the soil all right, it makes sense. If you have a lawn or garden question for Teresa, call it in or text it in the same number, 651-989-9226. We have some of both already. In fact, let's uh, let's get to the phones. I think Mary Lou is calling in from Crystal this morning with a question. Mary Lou, good morning. You're on CCL. Yes, good morning. Uh, good morning, Mary question, Lou. Good morning, uh, Teresa. Uh, the other day I heard uh, Julie on the radio talking about the rusty bumblebee. Yes, the rusty patch. Mm-hmm. Yes, the rusty patch. And I wonder if you could go through that again, where we send a picture and um, and what are the time frames? No, I she oh. said something about yesterday oh. to yep, there's a there's a bee section. Let me just pull that up. I'm going to grab my, uh, where did I have it? It's in the Yard and Garden News. So you can always go to extension.umn.edu and click on the garden tab, and you'll find the yard and garden news at the at the there. And I believe it was in there. I did not hear her her um her story about the bumblebee count, but that's where I would suggest you go. I'm not finding it right away, and I don't want to hold you up. I thought it was in the yard and garden news, um, but yeah, go to extension.umn.edu. Click on the Yard and Garden tab, and then look at the Yard and Garden news, or else just Google Rusty Patch Bumblebee Counting, and you'll find it right there. I bet you will, yeah. But that's our state bumblebee. It is. It is, and it's endangered, so we we have to be really careful with that bumblebee. Well, we'll get, to, as we always like to do, give that website to, through through the hour during our Smart Garden show uh, so folks can check it out. Let's grab a text before we take a quick break. Uh, here is one that says, two of my 10 tomato plants have drooped. The entire plant looks limp. All are being cared for the same way. They're over six feet tall. A texter says, I have trimmed uh, some of the suckers off the main stem and removed some of the lower leaves uh, closest to the earth to prevent disease. One is yellow pear, the other is red cherry. Any ideas of the cause and how I can save the plants? Okay, so um, my phone cut out for just a second. Which plant is, are we talking about? They're t- tomato uh, plants. They tomato have, plants, uh, okay. Two, two so, of the ten, um, ten of them. Okay, grouped. they might all be being cared for by the same the same way, but it looks like, it sounds like there's ten different kinds of plants or different kinds of tomatoes. So each tomato has certain uh, abilities to resist diseases. So some are more resistant to some of the fungal diseases and the um, uh, the verticillium wilt and things like that that we have in our soils. 
So what you want to do is when you do see those leaves browning at the bottom, just cut them off quickly. And there again, you want to take your pruner, sterilize your pruner, make your cut, sterilize your pruner, make your cut, sterilize your pruner, make your cut, especially before you go on to the next plant. And if you can, even before you go on to the next plant, make sure you wash your hands so you're not bringing any diseases as you touch the plant. And then you want to make sure that you do mulch around your tomatoes so you try to prevent any any ground uh, soil bound, bound, ground. I'm sorry, soil. So any any um, diseases from the soil jumping onto the plants in the rain and the water. So that's always a good a good thing too. And make sure you have good air circulation and uh, always select the plants that have um, hybrid plants are are good for disease resistance and they uh, they will have numbers after the back of the the letters after the back of the the name of the plant like B T F N E B so they'll all res- they'll all uh, have letters after them saying what they resist Okay, very good. Tell you what, let's take a quick break here. If you want to call in your lawn or garden question for Teresa or send a text, it's the same number, 651-989-9226. We'll uh, take this break. Be right back with more Smart Garden here on Newstalk 830 WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Danny Long here with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney answering your uh, lawn and garden questions by phone and by text. And as usual, Teresa... We have a bunch of both. 651-989-9226 will get you either the phone call or a text question for Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Let's go back to the phones. I think David is next up calling in from Eden Prairie. David, you're on with Teresa. Hi, David. Yes. Oh, good morning. morning. My my question is, uh, in my small garden, I'm growing uh, sugar baby watermelons Mm -hmm. and they're doing well, and I was wondering, do the vine, do watermelon vines, do they ever stop growing? No. And would it, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. They, they keep growing until until they get frosted. Uh, so, no, they don't. I'm, I'm sorry. They don't. <laughs> well, would it be at this time of the year, if you clip the ends of them, I know that the vines will stop growing. If I do that, will it put more energy into the melons itself? It should. If, if you've got melons already set on, uh, just make sure that there's enough leaves that can still keep, um, you know, photosynthesizing and bringing energy into the, into the fruit. If you don't want any more fruit after that, uh, it, it just will stop and, and only put those on. It may start new vines, so you may have to keep pruning them. But, um, yeah, otherwise... Yes, they will just keep growing and growing and growing. Um, Just a quick thought, if you have things like chipmunks and squirrels and and bunnies, you may want, and this sounds really weird, but take a a leg of pantyhose and wrap them around your your melons and squashes and things like that. That may stop some of these critters from biting into them and eating them. Hmm, interesting. Good luck. All right, very good. Thanks, thanks, David. Uh, let's uh, grab a text or so, and then we'll get back to the phones. This texter says, I trim all my shrubs once a year. Would like to do it soon when it cools down a bit. Uh, so could I do it now? 
after it um, there, You can trim plants whenever you want. There's no law against it. However, if you want to make sure that you're not doing it when the plant is going to be stressed, so you do want to wait for cooler weather. It's easier on you and on the plants. Also, when you trim your shrubs, you want to think, if this is a lilac, you should have already trimmed it because whatever you trim off, you're cutting off next year's flowers. If that's not a problem for you, don't worry about it. But try then to have most of your pruning done, say, by the middle of August, if at all possible, the very end of August at the very latest. What you want is that plant then to have time to become dormant. When you trim a plant, it often causes it to put on new growth. And, and if it's going into dormancy, that new growth won't be strong enough to make it through the winter. And it takes energy from the base of the plant and um and the rest of the plant may just, it may delay going into dormancy. So you just want to pr- get your pruning done, say, by the middle to the end of August, if you trim all of your shrubs at one time, if that's your goal. Okay. Good luck. Very good. Uh, back to the phones we go. Let's go to Champlin okay. this time. I think Jack has been waiting there. Jack, you're on with Teresa. Hi, Jack. Yeah, good morning. Uh, I cut about two and a half acres of grass. And this oh, year boy. I noticed I got a big section that these weeds or grass are of a lighter color, green slash yellow maybe. Uh-huh. And uh, what do I do to treat them or get rid of them if I what you, Okay, for, first of all, you want to figure out if, if you don't like the look of that, then you want to remove it. And you can figure out first, is it a grass or is it a, a broad if it's a grass, you can use a grass killer. You can, um, you know, dig it out. You want to find out what it is. If you don't care if it's a different look, and, and that's okay, just keep just keep um, mowing it then. That's not a problem. But if you don't want it there, then you need to take it out. Uh, you can figure out if you go to the website, you want to find out what grass it is. You can, there's what plant is this. You can get some diagnostic there. If you can't figure it out from that, you really want to know what plant it is. If you take some really good pictures, you can actually send those pictures to ask a master gardener and some of the grass experts on there, they know their grass is left, right, and center, and they're really good. Now, if it's, if you may just want to look at your grass a little more carefully, Go to the base of the grass and touch it. Does it feel flat? Then it's a grass. If it feels like a triangle, then it's not. It's a sedge. And the sedges are a little bit different. They still can react like a grass, but they're much more aggressive, and and you probably do want to take that out. And you would need a special. um, You want to make sure that your uh, herbicide, if you're using one, will will deal with the sedge. And remember, if you ever use any chemicals on your on your lawns or gardens, you want to know what you're using and you want to read and follow the directions to the letter. Hot weather like this is just too hot to use most of that stuff. Um, but good luck. All right. A texter wants you to uh, talk briefly about tomato blight. Does it affect production and is there anything that can be done about it? Uh, there, there are things you can do about it. Again, I would suggest going to the website. They have a great article on tomatoes, uh, uh, many articles on tomatoes, and you can really get some good information. Uh, some of it, if it's a tomato is susceptible to it, it might get it depending upon uh, weather conditions, watering, heat, anything like that. Um, uh, how you grow your tomatoes if you're not giving them enough air circulation, that all depends on it, too. So if you know you have an issue, try to get tomatoes that are resistant to those problems. Um, sometimes the blights will impact the, the fruit production. Uh, some blights do, some don't. Um, 
it just depends on which one you're looking at. And there are some things you can do sometimes removing infected leaves if you have a septorial leaf spot or something like that. Again, sterilizing your pruners and just sending all that stuff either to the city compost or to the garbage. Uh, you can do that. Uh, so that's some of the things I would definitely suggest uh, going on the website, though, getting some really good information and then maybe bookmarking that page because if you love tomatoes, you might run into this stuff every year. So if you have it bookmarked, you know exactly where to go and you have all that information and then you can keep other things in your brain instead of what to do about tomatoes. Excellent. All right, Teresa, hang on. We need to take a break, but uh, just a reminder our listeners that we will have another half hour of the show to go. If you want to call in your lawn or garden question or send a text, here's the number, 651-989-9226. We'll get back to the phones and text messages here on our Smart Garden Show, the forecast straight ahead on News Talk 830-WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here, along with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, answering your lawn and garden questions, as we do every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. And as usual, Teresa Rooney, we are busy. We have a lot of textures. We have a lot of callers as well. So That's wonderful. To uh, Tommy, I think, is calling in from Waterville, I think, first up here. Go ahead. You're on with Teresa. Hello. Yes, a very good, yes, a very good morning to you. I have a couple questions. And mm-hmm. I want to continue on with the question of a previous caller. I have um, large acreage uh, acres. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not a uniform in color. Okay, having said that, I did not get my fertilizer on, weed and feed fertilizer this morning, uh, this spring. Having said that, uh, it's high in nitrogen. Uh, is it the wrong time of the year, the wrong temperature, whatever, to apply this? Uh, no. That's a- that's a really good question. Um, yes, it is too hot. It's too stressful for the plants right now. So don't fertilize them. Don't do the weed and feed. It's just too hot for them. Wait till we get some a stretch of cooler days and then go ahead and do it. Uh, maybe into maybe the second or third week of August. I know it's pushing it, but um, otherwise just let it go. If the plants look okay, then just do your winterizer and that. If you only get one done, your 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 winterizer is the best one to do if you can only do one fertilizer a year. Okay, a secondary question. It seems like every year I lose a tree. It'll start out, uh, these are older trees now, it'll start out, a couple branches will start turning color early, like in July, and then the next year it'll be dead. Driving around, I notice a number of trees uh, along the road or whatever have died completely. Is there anything going on, a disease going around, or is this common aging process or you know it's it's that's a good question because i've noticed a lot of dead trees too i think in a lot of respects it might just be that maybe we're more aware of it thank goodness um we're also do we do see a lot of the trees that are older they just aren't making it sometimes it is because our climate is changing and the, the heat and the humidity is maybe more or or the changes in temperature are too much for certain species um, we do have stronger storms coming through, so they're causing a lot of breakage that you might not see, but it's internal in the trees, and the trees slowly succumb, and we are getting new pests and diseases in. So it's just, just like a perfect storm of all of these things. What I would suggest is if you have trees that are really important to you, um, 
you know, go to an arborist, uh, a certified arborist, have them come out, look at your trees and assess the health of them. They might be able to spot something right away that you could amend quickly. Uh, that tree is a hazard tree. You need to take it down. That tree just needs a little, you know, root girdling taken care of. That tree needs a good pruning. That tree is perfect. It's that, that's normal for that tree to look like that. So that arborist can, can go over all your trees. It's just like going to the doctor, only you're bringing the doctor to the plant. So so it's a good good investment, and a lot of times that, that first consult may be free or, or nominal charges. So go to a certified arborist and, or bring have a certified arborist come out and look at your trees because they are a valuable, important part of your landscape. Oh, that's for sure. Texter says this, a uh, couple of questions. Should I trim spirea now that they've done blossoming, and also is it okay to shape my petunias? not a good time to be pruning anything right now. It's a little, little hot. I would wait till it cools down just a little bit. You can be deadheading. So if you're just deadheading your spirea and getting the, the brown flowers off or, or you're deadheading whatever plant flower in your garden, you can do that. But you don't want to do a lot of pruning on your plants. You're stressed. The plants are stressed. The hot weather's stressing everybody. Just, just relax. Just let the plants Get through this hot weather. Do whatever you can to help them out. Keep them hydrated. Keep you hydrated. Um, and when it cools off just a little bit, you can go ahead and prune. And again, try to get your pruning done by the end of August, the middle to the end of August. All right. Back to the phones we go. Uh, let's go to Minneapolis. Marie is calling in from Minneapolis with a question for Teresa. Good morning, Marie. Hi, Marie. Okay. Let's uh, let's uh, go to Laura. Marie is listening uh, on the uh, radio, not on the phone. Always listen on your phone. Then we'll all be connected. Laura in Plymouth is next up here. Laura. Hi. Good morning. Say my good question morning. is not it's not um, grass or garden related. It's critter related. Yeah. I think I have I think I have angered the squirrels in my neighborhood. I recently purchased some deck furniture. Uh, I've got it on a wooden deck, and it's uh-huh. a um, like a sectional, so it, mm-hmm. it's made out of that like plastic stuff that looks like rattan. Um, sure, and, and they're it chewing has, it up like crazy, aren't they? They are. Even they yeah. chew through the um, the what the rain cover too. Any suggestions? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, you know, there's this thing for them to chew. To, to um, get to uh, squirrels like to chew on stuff. They're, I believe their teeth keep growing all the time, so they have to chew on stuff to keep their teeth healthy. Um, what you might want to try is, and this isn't going to be really comfortable for you, but um, where they're chewing or uh, whatever they're chewing on, those parts, if you can, try to get a, a spray like a hot pepper spray or something like that that you can spray on the on those on the on the furniture. Remember though that you've sprayed it on the furniture because if you sit down and you're sweating, you might get some of that on your skin which could, you know, hurt your skin or you may then put it on your hands and bring your hands up to your mouth and it tastes really awful. So you might just want to remember that when you're using it. And it may just just get the fascination for their new toy out of their minds and they can go somewhere else. But yeah, they, they like to chew on stuff and you brought a new toy into their territory. I'm sorry about that. Thank you, Laura. Michael is next up calling from Plymouth, Minnesota with a question for Teresa. Go ahead, Michael. Good morning. Hi, Michael. Good morning. Hi there. Good morning. Uh, I noticed a couple winters ago how rough um, my boxwoods took. Uh, yep. The winter, 
and then it seemed like throughout all of the Twin Cities, they were really, really damaged. And, and I've done my best to keep them hydrated and keep them trimmed. But mm-hmm. is there any any opportunity to bring them back, or maybe our boxwoods boxwoods not the best shrubs in Minnesota any longer? Open um, box, well, please. did you cut off the brown stuff? Yes, I cut off the brown okay. stuff. And, and and are they still growing? Are they okay? Well, some are growing, but I'm still seeing dieback occurring on other boxwoods. So okay, like I it, I never really got through the problem. Gotcha. Um, okay, so. What happened a few years ago is we had a, a drier fall, and then we had a winter that had some really, really um, strong, cold, cold temperatures, and that just and some winds, and that just really impacted all of the evergreens in the boxwoods. And that year we did see a big dieback, and and that happens. It's, it's just what happens. But you might want to think about where your boxwoods are situated. They're probably okay in the summer, but in the winter time they may be um, getting too much sunshine or too much winter wind. Um, it could be the variety that you planted just isn't strong enough, isn't healthy enough for our kinds of winters. And you so if you plant a different varieties, maybe the ones that are struggling, um, it, replace those with the ones that aren't struggling. Make sure that you are getting them for zone four. Um, that's really helpful. And uh, and then do keep hydrate, watering them into the fall. You want them to go into winter as plump as they possibly can be. And if they're in an area where they're just going to get a lot of hot west winter sun or south winter sun or they're near your house and that sun's reflecting onto them and that heat's reflecting onto them, yeah, bringing them out of dormancy all winter long, in and out, in and out. Uh, if you can put up any kind of screening, uh, maybe that's a burlap, sort of a burlap fence. It, you don't have to wrap them because you're growing green stuff, so they have green stuff to look at in the winter time. But if you just put up a fence to maybe give them a little shade in the winter or break some of that wind, then they, the plants don't have to be wrapped. You can just set that little burlap fence, that wind break or that sun break out, um, just so that it, it, it slows that stuff down and gives them a little bit of respite from the stressors that they're in. Um, I try that, and if that's not working, then... Maybe we really need to rethink what we can plant in that area. Good luck. Yeah, there was a lot of damage uh, that last year. There uh, was. I know you. your boxwoods yeah, had a lot of problems. They're looking year. good now, though. Looking good now. Uh, here's a text, uh, Teresa, before we take a quick break here. It says, my weeping fig was neglected for a month. Now I notice some of the leaves are sticky, as well as the table it's sitting on. What's going on there? Oh, you, there's some kind of little insect there. It could be spider mites, could be mealybugs, it could be um, scale. You want to find out what's on that fig and you want to take care of it um, appropriately. Uh, so try to diagnose what the insect is that you're, pro- that you're seeing. The leaves are sticky because the insect is secreting honeydew. Um, it's sucking nutri- nutrition out of your plant and the sugars that it's not using, it's, um, it's, um, defecate or, sp- pooping out or urinating out. And so that's the honeydew. That's the sticky stuff that you're seeing. And um, sometimes outside, if your plant was outside, that might even turn black because it gets, you know, full of mold and stuff. Um, So that if you're seeing that in your yard, you're just seeing insect honeydew uh, molding up. So, yep, go ahead, figure out what kind of insect you're dealing with. Each one you you can deal with a little bit differently. So just figure it out. Go to the website, extension.umn.edu, and click on the garden tab and go to the house plant area, and, and they'll give you some good insect 
um, identification and then what to do. Good luck. All right. Tell you what, Teresa, let's do this uh, quick break. We'll be right back. We have more phone calls, more text messages on our Smart Garden Show. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show this Saturday morning. We are here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour with enjoying company of our master gardener friend, Teresa Rooney, today, helping you out by phone and by text as usual. Tell you what, I want to grab some more text messages, uh, messages, but let's uh, go back to Minneapolis. I think Marie is uh, on the horn here. Marie, what is your question, please? For Hi, um, I'm calling about a, a false indigo, Baptista, that yeah. I planted. I planted it. It's in its third season. It's done really well. And I've had them other places, you know, where they did great, you know, and I've read mm-hmm. that you don't need to do much because they get nitrogen right from the air. Or And so this year it's just really pale and I'm seeing the veins and it's in the, it's in hot sun all day and it's, this is the third season. Um, but the soil is also, um, the garden had all of those, those light colored rocks, you know, that maybe make the soil more alkaline. So and I, I don't know what to do to, you know, make it better. <laughs> and when you're seeing the veins on a plant, it often means that the plant is it just needs a little more uh, nutrition, and it could okay. be getting enough nitrogen, but maybe there's something else that's not, that's missing okay. in that part of the soil. Um, so if you can just give it a a, a regular fertilizer of whatever you whatever you do like if you do miracle grow or if you do um uh, granular however you want to handle that um just give that or even top dress with a little compost i if you want to you can top dress with the compost right now and water that in we're going to get rain probably so it'll be all watered in for you otherwise if it gets just a little bit cooler uh, as soon as the days get a little cooler maybe give it a little uh nutrition and that will probably help it but if possible i definitely would try to do the compost that it probably there's probably just something some micronutrient lacking in the soil uh, that that is impacting it mm-hmm. good luck all right very good uh let's see uh, we have oh so many textures um we're having a debate this texture says at our house uh, regarding japanese beetles one of us has hung a beetle trap the other of us fears that the trap will attract more beetles than it will kill, leading to more grubs and more beetles next year. Please advise. Thank you. Um, the university has recommended not to use the beetle traps. Um, the beetle traps will draw in a huge number of beetles that may or may not have been headed to your area anyway. Um, just because you have beetles in your yard it does not mean that you're going to have the grubs in your yard. Uh, the beetles fly. They fly. That's why it can draw in from such a long way. And many times the beetles that are killed in these traps are the weaker beetles and the stronger beetles are surviving. And not all the beetles that are coming into that area will wind up in your trap. They'll wind up in your neighbor's yard um, and that kind of a thing. So traps are are not really the way to go. Um, it's just easier just to, to try to bring the birds in so that they can eat them, hand pick them, uh, just do what you can do, but try not to attract a whole crowd of beetles. That would be the best thing. Good luck. Okay. Teresa, we're getting a lot of questions today, as you know, uh, maybe it's typical for this time of year. A lot of tomato questions. Here's yep, another it's, one. It's the time of tomato questions. It's the season. It's tomato yes. time. This one says, why do my tomatoes rot on the bottom? Why? Oh, blossom and rot. Okay. So quick, quick, uh, bl- toma- that's called blossom and rot. You're going to find it usually on the tomatoes that fruit first. 
Um, what happens is when the tomato is, and I'm anthropomorphizing this, when the tomato plant is making the, the fruit from the blossom and it's starting to make the fruit and you have the feeder roots down underneath, they're grabbing nutrition, nutrition from the soil and they're making the fruit. They're bringing it up and making the, the turning the, the blossom into a fruit. Um, as it gets to the end of that, all of a sudden it runs out of calcium. And the plant just says, oh, we're just going to fake it here and we're going to hope for the best. Well, that hoping for the best doesn't work because it needed the calcium. Now, that doesn't mean that there wasn't calcium in the soil. It just means that calcium could not be taken up fast enough to, to, do, to, to make that fruit. It could be because you fertilized. And the fertilizing, there was so much nutrition, so much growth on top that there wasn't enough roots to, to support that. It could be that the fertilizer burned the feeder roots or the fertilizer upset the, the new micronutrients in the soil so that the feeder roots couldn't take up the calcium. Or it could be that you overwatered or underwatered the plant and those feeder roots are really sensitive and they die. So, so what you want to do is try to water so it always stays moist. Try not to fertilize until the plant's well-established and growing, probably three weeks after you planted it. You want to make sure it's settled in. Uh, if you have a lot of problems and this is in your containers, try to get plants the fruit a little bit later because they'll be more mature when they fruit and they'll have the they'll have the, the plant the roots underneath that can support the proper growth. Otherwise, don't worry about it. Cut the blo the icky part off. You can still eat the tomato. Do not use it for canning, but you can still eat the tomato. The next batch will be just fine because then everything will be more balanced in the soil. Here's our final tomato, our final tomato plant. It's not a question, but it's uh, this uh, texture has tomato plants in a raised garden, uh, and he or she says, "Can I mulch with shredded paper for those tomato plants?" Oh, can she mulch with shredded paper? Sure. You want to just okay. make sure that that whatever mulch you're using, that you get the soil nice and damp after you plant the plants, and then you put your mulch on, and you want to make sure that the mulch doesn't touch the plant stem itself. Yep, you can mulch with shredded paper. That's no problem. As long as it's not the shiny stuff. Yep, should be no problem. Can I, another texture, say trim my lilac tree? It blooms are all done. And what about a branch or two on my uh, one of my crabapple trees? Um, crab apples, I would stay away from if you have to. Uh, fire blight is really rampant. At this time of the year, it can be, and that can take your tree out in less than a week. If you have to trim the crab apple, um, you would have to use a pruner sealer as soon as you are done cutting and try not to do it on a humid, windy day. Your lilac, yes, you can trim it. However, whatever you trim, that will mean you're cutting off next year's blossoms. So, again, it's it's up to you. It's not the best time of year to be trimming anything. It's just a little too hot out there. Um, if you can wait a few days till things cool down and then follow the precautions. If you if you don't care about the blooms on the lot, go ahead and trim them as you want to. Uh, same with your azaleas and rhododendrons and mock oranges. Um, and your, your fruit trees, you really want to stay away from trimming those because they can be impacted with fire blight. If you have to trim for some reason, after each cut, you need to put that pruner sealer on, disinfect your, your tool, and then move on to your next cut. Okay. Here's a text. I know we have a, a couple of minutes to go here in the show. Uh, we have daylilies, Texter says, and they flatten out after blooming. Our only thought is that rabbits lay on them, but we're wondering yes. what you think. Yes. 
My, I have the same thing out front in my boulevard. It's just like, they were so pretty and now they're all squashed. Yeah, the rabbits lay on them at night or something lays on them at night. Yes. The plants. It's really frustrating. Yes. (laughs) Plants next to my mailbox, Texas says, have not prospered this year. Is it too late to take them out and plant hostas, which I think are easier to keep alive and good looking? Could you repeat that one again? I'm sorry, you cut out. Uh, their plants next to their mailbox have not prospered, but they want to know if they can take them out now and plant hostas instead. Um, you could plant hostas out there. As long as it's not super hot, hostas are not a full sun plant. Um, if, if the plant isn't working out there, yep, go ahead and put something else in there that works better. Remember, look at the site. Is it hot and sunny? Is it cool and shady? Nothing's cool these days, but is it shady? And get the plant that is is correct for that area, and they'll be just fine. Yep, yep, you can go ahead and change plants. It's not the best time to be planting right now. Again, it's so hot, but if that plant looks really bad out there, at least take it out, throw down some mulch, and then get the new plant when it gets a little bit cooler. 30 seconds or less, uh, Teresa. Are we near the end of Japanese beetle season? That's a text. I hope so. We pro- I think another two or three weeks, maybe. I don't know. That's not really the end, but I, I hope so. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? Some folks are want to get the, that, uh, the, the U of M website again. Would mm-hmm. you do that for us, That's extension.umn.edu. It's too hot to go outside. It's too you got too much rain out there. Just stay home, people. Grab a cup of coffee and go to the website and browse. A lot of great information and so much for today, too. Thank you, as usual, Teresa. Thanks for all your help. Thank you. Appreciate Wonderful it. talking to you. Good luck, everybody. Thanks so much. Master Gardener, Teresa Rooney. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.